Hello, everybody, and welcome to Volume 2, Issue 59 of the Cana Rinse Podcast. I've got all the patterns down up until the ninth key. I've got Speedy on my tail, and I know it's either him or me. So I'm heading out the back door and in the other side, gonna eat the cherries up and take them all for a ride. My name's Leon Cox, and joining me this week, we have Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Carl Moon. Hey, guys. And now from Joystick, with a Q, Sinan Kubba. Hello. I'm so glad you used those lyrics. Buckner and Garcia with the intro there. Uh, Gary Garcia, sadly, now departed, died about a year ago, just after they'd um, sort of done a thing with Giant Bomb. It was all, he'd suddenly died, didn't he, at age about 63. And the, the, the cause of his death has never been publicly made known. Very mysterious. But uh, there you go. I never realised until I was um, putting this together how perverse those lyrics are. There's definitely some sort of uh, there's there's a bit of euphemism going on there, a bit of innuendo. Heading out heading out the back door and in the other side, gonna eat the cherries up and take them all for a ride. Certainly some sinister undertones. Yeah, too innocent to realise that until you've pointed it out. <laughs> Bless you. Mm. So, uh, we won't do specifically our history with Pac-Man Championship Edition DX, but we are going to talk, as promised, for months now uh, about the, the whole Pac-Man thing. Now, I'm probably the only one here old enough to remember uh, Pac-Man fever at the time, both the record and the phenomenon. Uh, Pac-Man came out in 1980. I was a little eight-year-old kid. Uh, I don't remember exactly when I first played it, but it probably would have been around then um, in an arcade or in a pub, uh, in a chip shop, something like that. Uh, it is known as the most successful coin-operated game in history and has been awarded as such. Uh, the main man behind it is Toru Iwatani. Um, he'd previously worked on a game called GB, which was Namco's first video game, uh, which uh, is sort of interesting because it, although it's a breakout clone, it brings in like, uh, extra features like multiple bats and sort of pinball style bumpers and stuff like that on the screen. It looks quite complex for 1978 when it came out. And later he worked on a game called Libble Rabble, which has always been one of my favourite game names, um, but I've never played it. It's a bizarre looking twin stick kicks variant where instead of just, you know, uh, kicks where you're drawing lines to fill in space, basically straight lines. In Libble Rabble, you are wrangling two triangles, one with each stick, to kind of pull thread or lines around areas on a pin table. It's very hard to describe, but it's it completely it wasn't a big hit. It was you know massively difficult to play, unlike Pac-Man. Uh, so, what are your sort of earliest memories of? Pac-Man, any form, whether it be a clone, a bootleg, an arcade game, a home version. Obviously, there are you know hundreds of SKUs and 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 ripoffs and things like that. So, Sinan, right? My first memory would be a home version would be the BBC Micro. Uh, uh-huh. Official or unofficial? Any idea? Was it Munchman or something like no, that? No, it was official. Than... This was this was proper okay. proper Pac-Man. Um, right. And I think in, I was probably six or five. So this is. I played it in 1998 or 1987, but I'm guessing it probably came not long after the arcade version. Um, and I, I didn't really know about Pac-Man Fever or anything. Um, I think my dad probably knew and probably would have been one of the first games that he got for the system. But I just found it instantly likable. I just 
remember thinking this this is quite fun i get what you know what i'm supposed to be doing uh that was kind of my my major thing for games when i was five. nice easy I, keyboard controls four yeah, exactly. directions. i can yeah. get as long as i could get the controls and get what i'm supposed to do at that age that's what was important and pack around ticked those boxes carl uh, how old were you in 1980 i was minus four years old okay so what are your first memory first early memories of any kind of pac-man related game not even a an official pac-man necessarily it could be one of the many sort of you know spin-offs or variants of pac-man i mean there were many obviously variants i played several variants on the back on the amiga but pac-man is so intrinsically ingrained within gaming i couldn't sort of name or yeah. point to the, the specific moment I played it for the first time but being someone who grew up by the seaside um, and both lived away from the seaside when I was with other members of the family down in uh, Margate so it'll have been a lot of arcade use for me and with it being one of those games that's sort of you know granny friendly you go down there and she gives you a bag of ten pences and you start throwing them in the machine and you start playing away um, that is where I played the predominant amount of my Pac-Man in my younger years. Okay, probably, we got... probably Sorry, back God. down in there in my gate around Mr. B's because I got to play there for free. So anyone nice. who knows that area, that's pretty cool. Okay, well we're going to go through a few of the more significant uh, official releases. So there may be some of those where you'll be able to say, "Oh yeah, I played that one," or "I didn't," you know, "didn't play that one." Uh, now, Josh, uh, how old are you in 1980? Uh, minus ten. Um, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> my experience with Pac-Man is going to be a lot different from you guys in that um, it basically it was a constant like the moment i got interested in gaming pac-man's just this all-encompassing um element of the culture you can't avoid it so um i think i ended up playing it uh, on an emulator on the pc at some point Mm -hmm. i mean at the age i was when i started really getting into games there were so many different versions of pac-man to choose from and so many rip-offs that um it's it is kind of hard for me to pinpoint like what game exactly i played um but yeah i i've always i despite the fact that i am much younger than you guys pac-man still had an impact on me and i think Mm. it says a lot about the quality of the original design that someone as young as me can still find something of value Mm. so uh the creator the creator not god but the creator of pac-man iwatani uh i'd like to say before i read this quote from him this comes from uh pacman.com it's as simple as that um don't shoot the messenger this is this is this is how he sees it this is a man who's now in his uh, 60s i guess and this is him talking from the point of view of a japanese man in the late 70s i guess he says back then the popular games in the Japanese arcade game centres were mainly alien shooting games, so obviously it's nothing like now in video games then. Um, <laughs> the, the arcades were filled with male players. I wanted to brighten up the atmosphere by drawing in women and couples. For that to happen, there needed to be a game for that audience. When it came to women's interests, <laughs> I thought of concepts based on fashion and love stories, but ultimately ended up with the idea of eating. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
While brainstorming on the idea of eating, I picked up a slice of pizza and saw the shape of what was to become Pac-Man. The idea flourished into the chomping motion enemy ghosts and into a maze game. So an unreconstructed man in many ways, he thought of it. But it worked because he made this game that was non-gender specific, although, of course, later came Ms. Pac-Man and we'll talk about there's a sort of interesting story behind that. Um, it was non-denominational, sort of free of cultural things. I think, you know, some some people xenophobically jested that Pac-Man's yellow because it's a Japanese game. But I, I think yellow was picked as a neutral color. So he's not particularly... There's nothing about this game which is affiliated to any particular culture. And then you combine that with the up, down, left, right joystick gameplay. It's something that anyone could jump in and have a go even the you know the non-convert gamer what what is it you chaps think is the because you know we're going to go through and we're going to come to championship edition dx and fundamentally the mechanics of controls are the same but kind of enhanced and ramped up for the modern audience so what is it about the key mechanics obviously we're not going to describe the game of pac-man to our listenership but what is it that's good about the eating of dots the the navigation of the maze and the power pellets turning the tables on the ghost what what is it that's fun about those things that that has made this game so ridiculously successful it's the sheer simplicity of being able to take a character which is quite clearly the character that you're controlling you know as soon as you look at the screen you're aware of what you've got to do you're aware that you know you don't want to go near the ghosts you're you want to eat the the pellets and you can point at anybody at any age and say they're the buttons and they can figure out themselves instantly. And yeah. the, it offers that instant gratification that only the most simple yet addictive games can ever do. And that is why Pac-Man has maintained its popularity throughout the years. Uh, just to elaborate on on Carl's point, I, I think you, you, you're exactly right. It's the fact that it gets the basics right. It's not a hugely complex game, but the design choices that have been made have been executed um, extremely well. And because of that, um, even now, it's still a fun game to play. And, you know, time is the ultimate test of quality. And stuff like Tetris and Pac-Man are still fun so many years on. I'd say I think the biggest thing in its favour of why it's lasted so long, I, I would agree to that what Colin and Josh are saying to, to some extent, but I think there's this is going to sound a bit like a um, oxymoron uh, or a uh, yeah, no, an oxymoron a, a, there's kind of a accessible intensity to it mm. in that uh, like you guys are saying, it's it's easy you know, to get into to understand what you're supposed to do, who you are, um, and and the basic mechanics. But the fact of the matter is, it's a chase game. You're being chased around this maze, uh, but you can turn the tables and get these get these uh, power pellets and and try to chase down the ghosts. So there's a kind of cat and mouse element to it. And but there's also little things in the sound effects, like actually mm. collect the point pellets. You know, it keeps going waka waka. It just it's there's a kind of rhythm to it that increases. You know. As the intensity of it increases as you, you know, the game gets harder and harder. Um, I think it, it that it that's why there's kind of an addiction or addictive element to it because if you know it's just constantly ongoing. All these games where where you are, well, or at least I find where I get addicted to it. There's kind of it feels like there is a rhythm to it, and I can just you know once I 
get to, get to a game over, I just kind of follow that rhythm into playing it again. Um, and I kind of got that with Pac-Man. Even when that, like, there's a game over, I want to get back into that rhythm and then I want to keep collecting pallets and, uh, you know, get it back into the chase, as it were. I think it's also got the Tetris factor of wanting to clean up, you know, that that, yeah. that thing that Alexei Pajitnov says about Tetris, which is that you're trying to create order out of chaos, i.e. get rid of the mess on the screen. Um, as soon as you start playing Pac-Man, you start making a mess, particularly if you don't know the optimum path through the mazes to both, you know, if you, if you ever watch... Uh, a high-level player um, play Pac-Man. It, they have very specific routes that they take. You know, they they repeat patterns because you can manipulate the ghosts. We'll talk about the AI of the ghosts in a minute. Um, but as soon as you start playing, if you play like uh, you know, like a noob, like somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing, which is like I was when I was eight years old, you're leaving all these little bits all over the screen, and you've got this real desire, this this need to go and clean up those little bits. When and when you combine that with these ghosts, which don't all just follow you, um, you know, in in interviews, uh, he says very specifically that originally the um, the the power pellets weren't in there, so it was constantly a chase game, uh, and it was a lot less interesting to play at that point. So you couldn't turn the tables, um, and also the uh, well, um, the the ghosts do have this very specific. Uh, these very specific patterns and I've you know I've talked to sort of friends of mine who are non-gamers and and uh, I've used this as a sort of illustration to say sort of how even old games had depths that maybe you know that were worth exploring that perhaps you know people weren't even aware of so uh, Watani says all four ghosts were programmed with different algorithms the game was not configured for all four ghosts to chase Pac-Man at the same exact time if they chased him at the same time they would all be following him from behind and make it a boring game the red ghost is programmed to chase Pac-Man from the front the pink ghost is set to move 32 dots in front of Pac-Man the blue ghost moves towards Pac-Man as the center point finally the orange ghost moves randomly so it's hard for an uh, you know an amateur player to learn but it also keeps it interesting for the, the you know the more skilled player because you can manipulate and in fact if you watch if you watch high level play videos you'll see them uh, sort of jinking pac-man to make the ghost fly off in another direction to clear the clear the space to to move into sort of thing i think that's really that is really interesting i think it's something I think when I was when I played Pac-Man, the original Pac-Man, there was something maybe I was half aware of, yeah. um, and I think maybe even subconsciously is the word in that I I know that I would use specific tactics to get away from the ghosts, and that was probably based on how they were acting. But I probably didn't realise, you know, it didn't get anywhere close to realising the, spe- the specifics of that. It's a sort of it's the secret source of Pac-Man, and it's the thing that in the clones that used to come out for the time and bad conversions like the infamous Atari VCS one, which was coded in like three weeks or something. Um, it either the, the systems were incapable of housing such sophisticated AI or, uh, they just didn't observe it well enough. And so didn't include it in the conversion. So you were left with a, a less interesting game. One of my favorite things about, uh, Pac-Man, you'll have to indulge me on this. So famously there are four ghosts. You might, just know them as red pink cyan and orange or you may know them as blinky pinky inky and clyde but they all have multiple names depending on which sort of version you're using um looking at so the red is oikake which means chaser but he's also known as akabe which means red guy in another version he's known as urchin which is also known as maki 
And there's another version in which they are, uh, and sorry, and the, the American nicknames have uh, other names such as uh, Shadow. So Pink is uh, Machibus, which means ambusher, Pinky or Pink Guy, Romp, Mickey, Speedy, <laughs> Cyan is Kimagure, Fickle, uh, Aosuke, Blue Guy, Stylist, Mucky, <laughs> Mucky, Bashful, and Inky, and finally Orange is Otoboke. Known as stupid, Gusta, slow guy, crybaby, mocky, pokey, or Clyde, depending on which version you're playing. That's quite some lineage for four little ghost sprites. Which you know, I, I have uh, I have stuffed toys of these. Uh, I recently uh, one last summer played uh, some of those UFO catcher games and won both a Pac-Man and a uh, and a Red Ghost. Um, and you can still get merchandise. I have a Pac-Man mug. Right here that I'm drinking out of that was Excellent. I got for like last Christmas or something. I, I, I have a question for you, someone who was there when it started, Leon. Um, <laughs> as it were, um, like I, from what I understand, all the three ghosts, all four ghosts, were male um, at the beginning of the game when it they first are, came out. Yeah, and then in Ms. Pac-Man, one of them becomes um, Pokey or Orange. Clyde becomes Sue in Ms. Pac-Man. But but now in the sort of modern day versions, this is getting. A, we'll probably allude to it later. But um, I think pink the pink ghost is now female. Possibly true. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think pink was female at the time. Uh, I know that. Uh, um, I know that Namco recently recently had a, a survey um, for the new look for Pac-Man, and then those. Um, oh, right. Yeah, and, and they, so they showed four different concepts arts of a new look for Pac-Man for a new casual game, and in those ones, she was pink was female, which was um, I don't know if that's something that's come you know repeated in recent games but yeah that's a sort of interesting interesting uh evolution which uh i don't really really understand why they've done that but whatever no again i suppose in you know talking about the obviously he's called pac-man in the original game and yes that story that scott pilgrim tells is true that yeah. it is to do with the japanese onomatopoeia paku paku for eating and it was going to be called puck man despite that but they decided against that because of the vandalism that's all true um yeah, and I think, but I think the ghosts in the first game are basically not particularly supposed to be either. Again, non-gender specific. Right. I mean, Blinky, Pinky, Inky could be anything, couldn't they? Or any of the names that I've just g- given for the red, pink, and cyan ghosts. Only the only the orange ghost Clyde is uh, implies a male name. So I suppose you could have in your head you could have had Pinky as the female ghost. And to sort of illustrate how. Uh, difficult this game was to master like you're talking about as we say like this game yes the the first couple of map screens are quite gentle um i was playing it on the xbla version which is pretty much a straight emulation of of the original and you know the first few screens are pretty easy you can get to uh after the third i think it is there's the first one of the earlier examples of an animated cutscene in between a level that this game had um but soon after that the time that you get to eat ghosts is becomes minimal um and it becomes really intense and another thing about the original pac-man is the noise that plays the whole time it starts off as this constant as well as the you know the famous waka 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 or paku paku um you've got this siren noise woo, woo, 
and it goes more and more. The, the more dots you eat, the more intense it gets. It's not a relaxing, fun experience in some ways. It's extremely stressful. And, you know, you had your 25 cents or your how many yen it was in, in or your 10p in the slot at that time. It, it wasn't a particularly relaxing experience, I have to say. It was fun, but it, yeah, it, it wasn't like, oh, okay, we're having a good time going for a ride. It's like, shit, the ghosts are coming to get me. And one of the most miserable noises for dying which is still really depressing when I hear it. But yeah, yeah, we have that uh, noise on our, on our bumper for our um, uh, quick rinse videos that we have on our YouTube channel. Um, yeah, it's, it's again, I mean, there's most of the sound effects of this game are iconic and, and most of them survive through all the versions, uh, except Ms. Pac-Man, for reasons which will be shortly discussed. Um, but yes, to, to illustrate further how difficult and stressful this game is and, and challenging, it took until 1999 for somebody to record a perfect game. So 19 years of people playing this intensively. And it was, uh, it was that guy, Billy Mitchell, that you may know, know from Twin Galaxies and the, the King of Kong documentary, hit the mark, which is 3,333,360 3, points, no lives lost, um, up to the infamous 256th screen, which is where the, half the game crashes out due to it, uh, each map being held in, this is technical stuff, it's something to do with it being held in one byte of data, and once you go beyond 255, uh, it's supposed to sort of reset certain things, but it goes up to 256, and then you get this kill screen, which is unplayable. People have tried to go through it, but you can't. Um, and that took about six hours to get to that score. That's quite, you know, imagine not losing a life in six hours of Pac-Man. Uh, and since then, the game has been, uh, that that perfect game has been achieved by a number of other people in increasingly fast time. So now it's down to about three hours, 40 minutes. So if anyone wants to have a go at that, uh, you'll be needing the original arcade board because nothing else counts. And probably about 19 years of practice. Yeah, uh, I would imagine so. Yeah, Um It'd be interesting. I'm interested to see, you know, like Billy Mitchell, he's still, I think he's still gaming and, you know, but he's, he's going to start to be getting on, um, whether he can maintain that sort of level of play as he, as he ages and, and the other, you know, the other people from that era, whether sheer practice and familiarity can overcome the, you know, the declining motor skills and hand-eye coordination. Too depressing. So, Wizard of Odd from the forum uh, decided to comment about the original Pac-Man he says, I always think of Pac-Man as one of the big three arcade games alongside Space Invaders and Donkey Kong. I think it's one of the purest arcade experiences you can enjoy, just flat-out score chasing. I can't honestly say it's a game I particularly enjoy. I always preferred Donkey Kong, Defender and Centipede, if we're talking classics. I always thought it was a very difficult game with little reward other than high-score bragging rights. It seemed like a test of memory more than skill, and I don't ever remember clearing more than a couple of screens as a kid. I rarely play it these days other than part... Uh, other than as part of a classic arcade high score competition I organised from time to time at work. I want to work where he works. That sounds awesome. Now, Ms. Pac-Man, anyone remember that? Uh, or have it on XBLA where, where it's available? I certainly remember it. Um, I don't actually remember playing the official release of it, though. I, I actually played a, a knockoff release on the Amiga um, right. yep. that was famous because it had a ball, but that's where the similarities ended. It didn't have the moving fruit, or in fact, it didn't resemble Miss Pac-Man in any way except from the uh, character likeness. Oh, I was going to say that the the first time I remember playing it was in. I can give you a specific year because I was in California and it was 1993, so I was 12, mm-hmm. and it was still in a um, in a hotel, yeah, uh, an arcade cabinet because 
it was still doing well, presumably, yeah. even another 10 years after it came out. It's a perfect hotel lobby game. Um, and Namco do re-release both Ms. Pac-Man and Pac-Man and Gallagher about every five years on their anniversaries as coin-ops. I've played them recently in Brighton and in London, which is, is essentially an anniversary coin-op, but the exact same code, probably running under emulation but uh, rather than the original hardware, but still. Um, interesting story behind Ms. Pac-Man is that it was actually it started out as a bootleg called Crazy Otto, made by General Computer Corps, who were notorious for making knockoff arcade games um, designed to cash in upon, you know, successful originals. Um, but Midway decided, who are the Western distributors of Pac-Man, decided that they would license it and, re- and basically reskin it as a Pac-Man sequel and released it officially. So uh, your main sprite has a, a bow, a lipstick, and a beauty spot. Um, and the main the sort of the main changes are the the changing screen layouts and the uh, the aforementioned wandering fruit but it's weird if you play it like namco does recognize it as a canon game an official sequel it appeared on namco museums and things like that but it feels it doesn't feel like pac-man some would say it's actually more playable than the original pac-man and i think they may have a point playing it now it's a little bit faster and and smoother an experience but the sound is just nowhere near as good I believe it's actually regarded in the, the cult gaming circles as the superior of the two games and the one that they would rather play in score competition. But um, as you say, it definitely has a different feel about it. Yeah, you know, I've, I've played the arcade releases um, at a later date, and I personally preferred the original Pac-Man for the sounds. Mm, yeah, it does make a difference. Um, Namco followed up with Super Pac-Man uh, in 1982. So this this is one a year at this point. Pac-Man was 80, was Pac-Man 81, Super Pac-Man 82. I only, I never saw this at the arcades. Uh, you know, I grew up in Brighton where we had virtually every arcade game. I don't think Super Pac-Man did very well. I didn't play it until 1996 when it appeared on an Amco Museum compilation. Um, and it was, wasn't very good. Uh, no, no pellets as such. It was all fruit. Uh, it had a, a literal, more literal maze of gates and keys. Uh, and it had, an extra button, an extra control, which was your super speed button. And instead of um, chasing blue ghosts, you became giant Pac-Man. And that was one of the only sort of things I remember about it is actually becoming big and munching your way through the gates. Anyone else ever played Super Pac-Man? I I played it on the Namco collection on the PlayStation. um, And I didn't like it. No. It was, I can honestly say I played it for probably no more than 10 minutes and just went back to other games on the PlayStation. It just it just didn't resonate with me like the original Pac-Man did. I did play it quite a lot more than that. I did give it a, a fairly decent crack, but it never it never had the same magic as, as it, the original. I think it was the super speed thing. I just found it incredibly off-putting. It's, it just didn't do it for me uh, at the time. Don't put buttons in my Pac-Man. Well, they did later. Exactly. The jump button, but yeah. so we'll come to that. Pac-Man Plus, 1982. So again, this is Midway wanting to make money out of pack sequels that aren't super pac-man so they released a what is a fairly minor tweak of the original pac-man um again i don't think namco actually ever put this version on compilations or anything and you know this is a company notorious for re 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 releasing namco museum compilations in various forms but pac-man plus is one you will probably never see now, I do remember Baby Pac-Man. I don't remember Mr. and Mrs. Pac-Man. These were both 1982 and, again, Bally Midway. But these were interesting. These were pinball 
tables with video games attached to them, or vice versa, depending on how you look at it. Anyone play one of these? I never played one, but I did see them. Um, I've never liked pinball. All oh, right, okay. So it, it was a case that I'd walk past and it was, that looks interesting. But that's where it would sort of end because I did, I've never really got on with the actual mechanics of pinballing. So, I'm, but I have seen them in the arcade. I'm pretty terrible at pinball, but but I do like it. And uh, yeah, we had a baby Pac-Man in uh, in one of the Brighton arcades right up until probably the late '80s, early probably early '90s actually. Um, and it was quite a cool thing because you could you know you fire the ball into the video play screen and then you play some Pac-Man with a joystick and then you fall back out and play some more pinball. It's pretty you know it's a pretty neat idea. Um, and the fact that they released two in the same year suggests that they did relatively well. You see, when you when I hear the words Mr. and Mrs. Pac-Man and Baby Pac-Man, I immediately think of the cartoon. Yes, that started indeed yeah. the car- the appalling cartoon. Uh, I put a I, I put a, a link to a video of the intro sequence on our Facebook today. Uh, it I I have sort of nostalgic memories of that. I think I think we were being shown it over here in about probably eighty four something like that. It was it was sort of tied in with Pac-Land, which we'll come to. Um, it had the same theme music. Um, it was an awfully cheap Hanna-Barbera cartoon series with some of the sort of famous familiar voices from cartoons of that era Uh, but it was it was pretty awful (laughs) that that was that was the time for the awful video game cartoons I think Zelda came four years later Mario there were lots of Mario cartoons yeah they were that, that the 80s were were prominent for that kind of thing yeah uh, there was a lot of at this point that we're at in in the Pac-Man this is where the, the fever really was crazy um, there was the record that we mentioned um, there was the cartoon there was a board game uh, I remember the TV advert uh, which was used to taunt certain girls in our class because the, the sort of catchphrase was garble 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 and uh, it was used to uh, provoke uh, prematurely sexually active girls <laughs> let's put it that way um, that was the 80s uh, there was also uh, my first sort of um, one of my only uh, dalliances with a grain chill style playground uh, money making scheme was uh, these uh, so called Pac-Man rub off games which also provoked amusement in the school playground uh, these were packs of like scratch cards and stickers and you played a game by rubbing off silver, you know, the silver stuff to see whether you were, you know, eating a dot or getting caught by a ghost. I can't remember if there was any point. They presumably weren't, you, you couldn't win cash prizes because they were on sale to miners, but it was just for, just for fun. But I mainly wanted them for the stickers. So I used to buy packs for how much they were, 25p or something, and then keep the stickers and sell the game cards off for sort of 5, 10p a time, so I would actually make money on the deal. That was pretty cool. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Hasn't that scratch-off sort of card thing been used in the, like the National Lottery now, I believe? There's, I've seen a Pac-Man one. A Pac-Man. Yeah, I, yeah, I believe so, yeah. When I was when I was researching these rub-off games, I did see some modern-looking Pac-Man uh, scratch cards. So, yes, that sounds, that sounds entirely likely. There have been, you know, quiz machines and, and God knows what else. Um and uh, I had a Pac-Man watch as well, an official Pac-Man watch, which had a, a, a decent playing LCD Pac-Man game on it, which I completely, you know, got ridiculously good at, you know, so you could get to, in in that game, you could get up to 255 points, <laughs> not screens. 
I think like it's, it's important to underline that this is the first game to really have this kind of fever effect. You know, and maybe the only one you could really say which has had that real kind of, as you say, fever. Like the, the merchandise sales were crazy. And it's still going. And you can, yeah, the fact that you can still buy a Pac-Man mug and, a, you know, there are a few other, th- Mario and Sonic maybe are, are in the same ballpark, but yeah. Definitely, it was the first. I think the difference there is if you go to a grandparent and show them a picture of Pac-Man, they'll have a rough idea of who it is. They probably won't know who the likes of Sonic and Mario are. Yeah, possibly. Pac-Man really is just something else in that regard. Yeah, I think there there was some quote saying that he's one of the most recognised, iconic characters of all, you know, above, above Mickey Mouse and above Mario and above probably, you know, certainly real life figures present in the USA that sort of thing uh, yes they did try a Professor Pac-Man video quiz machine in 1983 which failed terribly uh, then Namco again themselves went further down the Super Pac-Man route with another sort of variant called Pac and Pal um, which again I've only played very briefly on a museum compilation that doesn't get many outings anyone else tried Pac and Pal? I can honestly say I've never even heard of Pac and Pal so, I mean, what was that arcade? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it was another no. another arcade sequel. Yeah, I can't say I saw that in any of the arcades I was in, which is which is a shame. I thought I'd seen the majority of them, but no. I mean, these I don't think these were widely distributed in the same way, and they they just weren't as successful. Um, so again, Midway once once again pissed off with Namco doing their own thing and and failing to recreate the success of the original, made a game called Junior Pac-Man in 1983 Uh, and this was a step too far, it's it's a scrolling uh, it has scrolling mazes all the way across, uh, sort of I think it's like two or three screens width Um, and uh, Namco were getting so pissed off at Midway repeatedly just going off and making Pac-Man clones um, that they split their ties with the company and uh, Namco still don't recognise Junior Pac-Man as an official title hence you will never see it on a compilation or anything like that uh, I'd never saw Junior Pac-Man I, I, maybe it didn't even come to the UK it certainly was uh, big in America one that did come to the UK and Namco doing their own thing again was Pac-Land and uh, as we say this sort of tied in with the cartoon it had the same music this was the first sort of Pac-Man in another completely other genre this was a scrolling side-on platformer anyone got any memories of Pac-Land? I remember seeing it I remember playing it (laughs) but I don't remember my actual feelings of playing it it's like I can remember doing it if I see videos of it and I remember it it was at a Butlin's that I played it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's I, I can remember all the things surrounding that game except the actual playing of it myself. Um, but I remember enjoying it. It's the strangest thing, and it's the one Pac-Man game that I've always sort of wished I'd gone back to at a later date because with it being so different, I'm wondering, was it really that good or was I enjoying it because of my age or because of... You know the fact it was different. It's quite fun. It's got great. It's got great tunes, and but it has a really weird control method. It doesn't feel like any other platform game that you would play now. It's closest, I suppose, to. It's like a precursor to the Wonder Boy games. Uh, Dom's beard on the forum says, "I've spent endless ten please paying." endless 10 p's playing pac-man but not the version you're thinking one of my favorite holiday games as a kid was pac-land which was a side-scrolling game where you had to return to a fairy that you're keeping safe under your hat this is true i imagine it will look dated now but at the time i must have been seven or eight i remember how colorful it was and had funky music it's interesting to see that you know someone in your forums and carl and, and yourself played it because i it's a name i recognize and remember but i don't I, you know i must have seen it in arcades but i didn't play it 
Yeah. Um, but so it must have been fairly popular. It was. I, I played it back at the back in the the arcades in the, of the time, and then it, it was on Namco Museum Volume Four uh, as well in ninety six, ninety six, ninety seven time, and I played it quite a bit more there. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's it's you know it's not the kind of game that's timelessly playable, but it has a certain charm, um, and yeah, it's enjoyable in its own very aged way. Another childhood memory I have is of 1987's Pac-Mania. Uh, I was experimenting with alcohol as a 15-year-old, and uh, I used to be a, a regular in the arcades, as I had been my whole childhood. Uh, but one Friday night or Saturday night, I was down the town getting pissed up on cheap cider, as you do with some friends, and ended up going through the arcades, which was a, when you're not used to being drunk. That was a pretty sort of, whoa, experience. And I... I remember actually kind of double-taking this Pac-Mania cabinet. You have to remember when you're 15 years old, like seven years seems like a ridiculously long amount of time. So it's seven years since I've last seen a a, a core playing, normal playing Pac-Man game. Okay, maybe six years if you count them as Pac-Man. And then suddenly there's... And this cabinet's got like a 3D bulbous lettering on it, all neon lit. And the game is isometric with high-res graphics and it's got... Um, theme tune playing the whole time and it's got a jump button and it's got an extra ghost and i was like what the fuck am i actually imagining this or is this <laughs> is this for reals um this game actually had quite a lot of very uh, competent ports on the home system so i'm guessing at least one or two of you have played pac-mania i'm actually ashamed <laughs> to admit i haven't played it i think i've played an emulation of it on pc uh-huh. um around a friend's house but um because it sounds very similar to something i played um but yeah i i don't have strong memories of it it works pretty well as uh the isometric thing was perhaps not the best idea later namco made a game which is more um pac-man arrangement well, they made a few games called pac-man arrangement but um where they've done similar star graphics but with the usual straight down or straight on uh, look um, but the jump adds an interesting thing the fact that you can go around corners it has selectable themed areas called things like jungly steps and they've each got a theme tune um, the fact yeah the fact that you can jump over ghosts and that there are more ghosts and the areas are larger it, it's it's a fun it's a fun game again it came out on a Namco museum compilation at least one possibly more um, and is worth checking out the Amiga version was pretty decent and stuff like that Here's one I never played or was not even aware of at the time. Uh, I think it was 1996 Pac-Man Virtual Reality. (laughs) This was during the brief period where virtuality was a thing. Uh, $5 for five minutes play of headache-inducing frame rate awfulness uh, 3D Pac-Man. Did anyone ever play any virtuality (laughs) machines? Because I didn't. I have played virtual reality machines in uh, what would have been BTs, but it certainly wasn't a Pac-Man machine. No. It was a horrible experience, and I wouldn't imagine wanting to play it in Pac-Man. No. For sure, uh, that would be headache-inducing. For, again, know, so. I've, I've put a video up on the uh, Facebook page, and uh, it looks hellish. Um, yeah. So then there's a bit of a jump um, until the next really great Pac-Man game came out, and... Uh, Josh, did you play this with us round at uh, Tony's? Yes, uh, at Tony's Was that your house, first experience yeah. of Pac-Man versus? 
Yeah, and it was, and I found it really fun. It's good, isn't um, it? I thought it was a clever idea having... Um, I, I imagine it's quite similar to what they're doing with the Wii U now, yeah. having somebody with their own uh, screen um, while everyone else is on the big screen. Yeah, I, I thought it was really fun. It looks very much like um, some of the Wii U uh, Nintendo Land stuff, like the Luigi's Mansion stuff, is very much influenced by this. So th- this was 2003 on the GameCube, um, later came to... DS as part of a Namco museum. Um, this was actually sort of led by Shigeru Miyamoto, and it's got a uh, Charles Martinet as Mario voiceover. And this is the one where you plug your Game Boy Advance into your GameCube, and you play Pac-Man on the GBA screen while your up to three other friends play as the ghosts on the big screen. And uh, it's uh, it's a riot. It's a fantastic local multiplayer game. But all too few people have played it. I can tell. <laughs> uh, well, I think that was a problem with all those games, which had, uh, yeah. you know, the kind of GameCube, Game Boy Advance uh, interfunctionality. Because who, <laughs> you just need to have everyone having, you know, the systems needed. So it just it's, yeah, it's a bit silly. it was also distributed weirdly, where it was um, like I imported mine as it was the second disc in a Pac-Man World Two Player's Choice. Uh, cart. So I still own a copy of Pac-Man World 2, which is a, a 3D platformer starring Pac-Man. I've never played that. I, I bought it for Pac- Pac-Man Versus. Um, but at least with this, you only needed one GBA and one purple cable. Um, and it was past the controller and it randomly selects who's the next Pac-Man. Uh, and Pac-Man plays Pac-Man on the screen. And yeah, rather than the ghosts being that clever AI that we they're actual human beings and they talk to each other and uh, they collect items so that they expand their field of view so they can try and gang up on Pac-Man it really is an exceptionally good game and it's a it's a shame that the only other version is is the remixed version on the DS because because it's Nintendo it will never come out on XBLA or 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 PSN but it would have made an excellent sort of everyone online game that sounds absolutely fantastic. It is really good, and and if we do, you know, we do arrange a cane and rinse meet, it will be a uh, one of the star <laughs> star pieces there. So it's on my epic shelf, Pac-Man versus, and and will never be traded or anything like that. You, you have to imagine Nintendo are considering releasing a new version of this game for the Wii U, surely, or has that been announced? And I'm not. I, I don't aware know, of but it. I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. it sounds almost too obvious if it's you know if it's that popular and people feel that way they've they've got a console ready made to do it it would it seems yeah. like an opportunity missed but you know if if anyone's going to miss opportunities maybe it <laughs> maybe it'll come out on the uh, on the downloadable store it would certainly make a lot of sense or or you know you could do it with a you could even have some kind of variant where somebody has the Wii U controller with the screen and other people have 3DSs and goodness knows what you could do uh last day um sorry i was gonna say they had they had pac-man party on the wii so it's something that nintendo are aware of right so i, I wouldn't be surprised if it came to wii U. that makes a lot of yeah. sense mm. yeah another uh, ds pack game that i remember playing and and c- completing was pack picks which uh I remember a sort of tech demo of was used as a, to show, you know, what the DS could do. Um, it's not a Pac-Man game in the normal sense because you're drawing Pac-Man, but I actually really th- thought it was a pretty damn good fun DS launch game. But I don't think many people bought it. First time I've heard of it is just now. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I, I went to the DS uh, in 2008, so it was way after its launch, and by then, mm, okay. obviously, there, were, there was other games, and it just didn't even come on my radar. Yeah, it's quite fun. Um, you actually, as I say, you actually draw Pac-Man D to eat uh, ghosts and, and solve puzzle screens. Um, it's 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 an interesting twist, uh, but sometimes one's drawing of Pac-Man or the recognition of one's drawing of Pac-Man would would let the uh, let the game down. But uh, yeah, worth checking out. I would imagine it's uh, maybe it's now super rare or maybe it's available for buttons. How do you not draw Pac-Man right? Well, just because not everyone's a talented artist, and because you you have to do it extremely fast in one stroke. Ah, right. And you have to do it within certain parameters on the screen, so you can't. It's not just draw Pac-Man and win the game. There's various sort of stipulations and conditions. You have to draw him at different angles. So sometimes you have to draw him facing up and down and and across the screen, and he'll paku paku off in that direction. And uh, yeah, some interesting ideas in it. Um, I also have memories, childhood memories of. Uh, some of the uh, hacked bootlegs and clones. I remember Ladybug. Um, I remember my mum commenting that I, I assume it was the operator menu had allowed somebody at one of the Brighton arcades to put in some rude text. On the, because I remember my mum mentioning that there was something about oral sex in Ladybug. And I was like, well, I was like, you know, eight, nine years old. And I'm going, what? Well, I don't even know what oral sex is, let alone why it would be. <laughs> In a in a in a cute arcade game, uh, other games called Joy Man, Hangley Man, Piranha. Some were good, some were not so good. Um, and as I say, various spin-offs like the the Pac Man World game. There's there's of course been a, at least one cart game, at least one rally game, uh, puzzle games called Pack Attack and various things like that. Ed, anyone got any memories of playing any of these? Probably mostly a bit crap pack spin-offs. I. Probably played Ladybug. That sounds incredibly familiar to me. Mm. But um, it's by Universal, I believe. You know, at, at that time, I, I, I've played a lot of bootleg games back on the Amiga, so I couldn't remember the names of them. But it'd be interesting to see them. What about any of the? I'm thinking of the. You know, as we're going right up to the the current gen as regards to you know Pac Pac Man Rally, Cart Pac Man World, all this I've, sort of thing. I've played the Cart game. Yeah. Um, which was atrocious. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely terrible. Of course, Pac-Man um, does actually appear in the Namco-produced Mario Kart arcade games in Japan. They're not great either, sadly. No, it's uh, that I, I only really truly remember playing the Kart game. I played a lot of Kart games, so yeah, you know, it makes sense that I would have played that one. But the other games don't really. I might have played Pac-World, uh, but mm, I couldn't say for sure. <laughs> Well, if any others spring to mind, uh, we're now on to finally on to the first Pac-Man Championship Edition, which came to Xbox Live Arcade in June 2007. Now, I remember being very excited for this. It actually had a bit of a... They did a bit of razzmatazz around the announcing of it. They held this World Championship uh, based around the game that a guy won. He won a custom Xbox 360 with a one-off with pack artwork. I expect it's red-ringed long ago, but I would I would like that thing. Um, so this was Toru Iwatani's final game before retiring from Namco. I believe he now wow. teaches at uh, Tokyo Polytechnic Game Design. Um, other key members of the team inclu- included producer Nobutaka Nakajima, who'd previously worked on old Namco stuff like Questa, but also he worked on a DS game called Pack and Roll, which was one of the two pack games along with Pack Picks. Uh, this was a sort of Marble Madness Monkey Ball style thing for the DS, but where you... 
uh, used your stylus to spin Pac-Man around. It's extremely fast-paced. Um, that later came to the Wii. And he'd also worked on Galaga Legions, which is part of this same series, but less successful than, than Pac-Man Championship Edition. Um, and the director was Tadashi Iguchi, who had worked on uh, a rather wonderful series, Soul Edge, Soul Calibur, Soul Calibur 2, as well as Pack and Roll and Galaga Legions. I remember this coming out, downloaded it day one, first morning XBLA release, and uh, for the next three years until DX came out, I was pretty much constantly recommending this to people who seemed to be reticent to play it, in the same way now as I'm constantly sort of saying, you know, Space Invaders Infinity Gene is really, really good, you should try it, and everyone's just like, what, as soon as they hear Space Invaders, it's like, no, I'm not interested. Um, This is a fantastic game, and I think even post-DX remains a fantastic game in its own right. I I remember thinking when I played it, and the first time, and I think I didn't come to it in 2007, I think I came to it too far, well I didn't have my 360, so that probably hindered me. Would have done, yeah. yeah, uh, So 2009 would would have been one of the first games I got, because not not just you, plenty of people were recommending it to me. Um, And I wasn't disappointed, um, because I think it it ties into everything that wasn't that was good about the first Pac-Man. Um, it really buys into all the things that made that game a success. Um, I, I came to this after playing uh, DX. Ah, that's interesting. So, how does it measure up in that regard? Well, it's really a quite a different game. Yeah, um, it is. And because it is, it stands on its own, and I, I you know, enjoy it quite a lot. I personally prefer DX, mm-hmm. um, but this is still a great game. Um, I picked it up on uh, PSM Minis, um, mm. and you know, playing it on the PSP. That's I think that's a good format for it. It was yeah, it was really fun. I enjoyed it. So that version has no online leaderboards though, which is a bit of a an oversight. One could argue with a high score chasing game. True enough, but I've never been, apart from maybe DX, I've never been known for chasing online leaderboards, so it didn't bother me too much. But I know that that's just me. Um, I know that could be a big issue for You're playing other your own people. scores, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that, that was, the, the online leaderboards were a huge draw for me with, with the original Championship Edition. I think it was one of the first games to really get that right as well. You know, that and Geometry Wars, um, they stand out as. Well, I remember people saying that as, as the games that really did it right first. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I couldn't I couldn't have gone into that game without online leaderboards. It was a huge. Draw I think for it's me. a shame that they didn't in in either Championship Edition do the Geometry Wars thing of actually displaying the scores that you're aiming for. You know, like that and Trials yeah. do, which is where that constant you know urge to do slightly better. But that said, the way you play Pac-Man Championship Edition, you're not actually going to alter your game style based on the score that you're chasing because there's a very specific way of tackling a game when you mean to get a high score it's kind of hard to explain um jared ray of joystick who who are they (laughs) who are you uh he said at the time a better name for pac-man championship edition would have been pac-man 2 a name that gets the point across that pac-man championship edition is the first true sequel to the game since ms pac-man and you see i would take issue that ms pac-man is a true sequel because it was actually a bootleg reskinned but uh that does stress and i think that even post dx which i love spoiler um i think championship edition one i re-downloaded it and started playing it again this week i think it stands up better as a sort of ultra playable tribute to the original Pac-Man than DX does. 
yeah, that's true. But DX changes a lot, mm. a whole lot about the game. Whereas, um, even just visually, pa- uh, Championship Edition is recognisable and comparable to the to the original Pac-Man. Whereas you look at DX and you sort of go, well, where are half the dots? Where are why the ghosts sleeping? Mm. All these things. Um, and the whole the whole thing of, again of, I think the the, the the one of the other huge draws for me, apart from the leaderboards, was just the sound. I remember mm. being really drawn in by the sound of that game, the music, the gradual, you know, intensity of the music, um, and just the, all the sound effects seemed to suddenly accentuate because of that uh, of that background music, which is still one of my favourite pieces of music from it's this generation. It's a great tune, and it's designed exactly to be five minutes long, which is how long the championship mode is. And although it does, it swells similarly no matter which mode you're playing by some kind of magic, but. Uh, a lot of people talk about the DX music, particularly that title screen tune, which is hilarious. But um, but the tune for the original CE, as you say, is is a great great piece. I mean, for about three and a half minutes, it's really subtle, really quiet, but it's just it's growing. You can yeah. feel it growing, and you suddenly realise time is ticking. And then that last minute is it, it's just a huge buzz. And I I, I love games which put the pressure on you through. Uh, indirect means right when then in sound is a really clever way of doing that so what ce does um and what dx probably does even more is to take all the little bits of pac-man that give you an endorphin rush and focus on them and sort of turn them up to 11 to use that awful phrase uh so it incorporates the 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 very patterns that the expert pac-man players use so rather than having all the dots on the screen all the time it will have a pattern of dots which you will follow and if you follow them in the correct way you won't get got by the ghosts although sometimes you have to do the the little jinking left and right or up and down thing to send particularly the red ghost off in another direction um it obviously it has the uh eating of the ghosts which is that that great feeling of uh power the hunter becomes a hunter i think mr montgomery burns in in an episode of the simpsons is playing Ms. pac-man and he's he's he says uh he's sort of luring them towards the power pellet and he goes he does a mwahaha and ah (laughs) so the hunter becomes the hunted and uh that that feeling and it's got this ridiculously heightened sound effect for the eating of the ghost which is super loud super bassy um and if you get it up to the 3200 which is the maximum point the game gets faster and this feeds into the fact that if you want to get a competitive high score you have to be playing at the maximum game speed so you have to try and attain the faster speeds of the game so the original championship edition only has one map uh, it has six modes uh, the championship the challenge uh, challenge modes one and two and extra modes one two and three it has that one tune and one graphic style what were the differences between the different modes just remind me just various <laughs> uh, dot layouts and yeah oh goodness me i think uh time as well there were five yeah, minutes and different ten minutes times. i think one of them has i think some of the extra modes have uh a dark so that you have a halo of light around pac-man so yeah. you have to actually learn you have to know the layout of the mazes to to uh navigate them correctly and swiftly um I didn't remember being hugely impressed with them. I think I pretty much stuck to the to the title mode, as it were, the, the five minutes. Yeah, the championship five minute is the 
is the key the the, the mode uh, the game was uh, 800 microsoft points or six pounds 80 i think it's probably still is although it's you know it's often discounted um maybe it's not maybe it's cheaper now i'm not sure but uh it felt like i played it so much and i'm you know i still play it now it's it's disappointing now because i go back to it and i can't touch the scores that i got at the time uh i think i do have the high scores on my of my friends xbox lists of on championship one and uh, Ms. Pac-Man and Pac-Man, but I don't on DX. That would be you, Sinan. <laughs> you bastard. Um, and but it's a weird one as well as the as well as the 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 building of of pressure via the music um, and the speed ramping up and ramping up. When you lose a life, you can actually get game overed in this. You can run out of lives. It's an interesting choice because losing a life is more about the time penalty than it is about the life penalty. <laughs> but because the the way the score goes up is exponentially higher so each time you eat one of the the famous pac-man items they start off as fruit they go through various things coffee and jewels and end up as crowns and things until you get up to the maximum score which is this the famous namco seven seven thousand six hundred and fifty which appears in a lot of their games and it's apparently their goro oase number which is uh, a japanese uh, mnemonic system for remembering uh, things uh, to do with Namco, I don't fully understand. It's very Japanese, but it's very cool because I always wondered why seven thousand six hundred and fifty appeared in all their games. But you need to be getting to a point where you are very quickly juggling power pellet, eat four ghosts, power pellet, eat four ghosts, uh, get seven thousand six hundred and fifty points. Um, the ghosts are worth thirty two hundred each, and so your score is just going up exponentially towards the end of your run you're scoring in seconds what it what it took you the first three minutes to score compelling yeah i mean the way you're describing it uh, just the word that comes to mind is efficiency which is always the the thing i never really felt playing the first pac-man that i could be efficient i was just about surviving but with the championship edition there's there's an efficiency you need to try and uh try and attain yeah, that's exactly it. And and I think, as I understand it, and obviously I'm no expert Pac-Man player, um, I can't even, I've not even managed to get the full 200 gamer score on, on Pac-Man 1 because the, the final achievement, I've got all the others, is kill all, is eat all four ghosts all four times on one stage. Um, you, I can't even do that on the first level. Uh, there's an easy 200 gamer score on both championship editions, by the way. Um I understand that the patterns that the dots form on both champion, uh, championship edition games kind of teach you how to play real Pac-Man properly because they teach you how to manipulate the ghosts in the optimum way. Interesting. Yeah. Um, we'll come on to DX obviously soon, um, but it was interesting watching uh, because it has excellently uh, downloaded or watchable videos of your friends or other users high score attacks i was watching your your best score run sinan on the standard championship two table and i noticed that you play it quite differently to me and hence your score is quite a lot higher so i've now had to change my technique to match yours mm. uh, this is for we're still on, on championship edition we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, sorry we'll i was i was just referencing dx there but we'll we'll uh, okay we'll get we'll, uh, we'll have to get into that i'm intrigued to see how we'll we come on to that. but i just wanted to say of of the original championship edition before we move on that it also came to java platforms j2me i had to look that up i didn't even know what that meant in 2009 it's also out on ios but of course it doesn't control properly and it has microtransactions uh, android just has the shit controls uh, the ps minis version is probably very cheap josh has played it 
no online leaderboards if that's not a problem and it also came out on a 3ds uh compilation with um i think it's called pac-man and gallagher arrangement as they do this is what namco do sly reflex on from our forum says i didn't dig dx but he says the ce version was the tits i spent ages playing that i never managed to worry anyone on the leaderboards some people were freakishly good at that game as a game concept it hasn't aged at all a few years back i went on a family day out to the seaside and happened to come across an old battered arcade that had all the old machines in it the rose tints destroyed all the love memories i had of the other machines in fact i actually walked away from space invaders it was that boring pac-man took a couple of quid off me though fine design never ages pac-man is proper vintage which brings us finally to the game we are here to talk about an hour into the show Okay, I think we've sort of covered elements of Pac-Man DX by getting to this point. Pac-Man Championship Edition DX, uh, which came out on Xbox Live Arcade and PlayStation Network in November 2010. Uh, this time, the, uh, Iwata uh, Iwatani sorry, was nowhere near this game because he retired. So we were uh, producer was Toshihiko Tamura, who previously worked on Galaga Legions and Mr. Driller Online, which is not a good thing to have on your CV because although Mr. Driller is wonderful, Mr. Driller Online is the laziest port of a mobile phone version onto Xbox Live Arcade you will ever see. Uh, and the director again is Tadashi Iguchi, Soul Edge, Soul Calibur, Soul Calibur 2, Pack and Roll and Gal- Galaga Legions. Uh, so... Again, obviously, this was a day one for me. I think I'd already heard the Giant Bombcast uh, singing its praises. They they got it early on Partner Net or whatever. Uh, was any was everyone else there day one for DX? I wasn't there day one, but you raving about it on Gamerdork is the reason why I purchased it. So thank you for that, Leon. Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyone else? I'm pretty sure I was day one at this point. I think I am. Um, I think I can remember Zan raving about what he'd read. Um, Zan Tirakobla, mm. who I think yeah. appeared on your show, and various others. I was, uh, you know, I, there was a Twitter consensus saying this game needs to be bought, and I think at that point I played Championship Edition and was ready to to to, to try it. I'd heard mumblings on on Twitter and social media and forums of you know the qualities of this game and having missed out on. The original Pac-Man Championship Edition. I mean, I haven't really missed out. I can still go and get it. But at that period of time in my life, I'd moved house and I was finishing up my uni studies, and that didn't finish until the end of September. And by then, it sort of, you know, 
passed me by. So when this one was announced, I decided that you know, I was going to jump on this one at uh, day one. By then, we'd heard people whose opinion I, you know, I actually trust, um, who were were also on about buying it and the leaderboards and and such and so forth. And with that, I've got my points. I didn't even get the trial. I just went straight in and bought the full mm. thing. Mm. So this offered as well. This was, uh, I believe, it was the same price. Um, I guess I think it was eight hundred Microsoft points and like eight yeah. pounds on PlayStation Network. But uh, this had ten maps, each with fourteen modes, three difficulty levels. Um, the higher the difficulty level, the fewer the lives and bombs you would get. We'll explain bombs, um, and the faster start speed. But of course, you can only if you if you want to go for a decent score. I think you only play on the expert mode because the speed is essential. Um, it had five background music options. Uh, eight graphics styles including ones that sort of aped various Pac-Man predecessors and other retro styles different character graphic styles color schemes uh, a demo mode that sort of demonstrates how to play not just not just up down left and right but actually some idea of what you're supposed to be doing to get a competitive score and as I mentioned before those downloadable play videos um actually then i keep saying downloadable they're not they're just viewable um it obviously stores the data of the game in in simple form um so for instance as i say i had a look at my friend's leaderboard saw sinan was top and just clicked on watch this run basically and and you can see the whole five minute game it's excellent um and one of my favorite features is the fact that the leaderboards are sort of they seem to be dynamically graded so that for instance so you get a i think like an F or an E all the way up to an S rank but that rank can drop if the overall average score goes up so early on when I, I was one of the first people playing this game I was there on a Wednesday mor- morning you know hammering it got quite high up on the leaderboards and got an S rank but then I looked back later that day when more people had got it and my score had dropped to an A rank because the score was no longer as competitive and that still happens so you load it up now and you know some people are still playing this and certain scores that i got on certain of the maps are no longer as competitive so that's pretty fun feature um you also get an an overall rank is that right yeah um yeah yeah, so i guess it gets an average of or tries to get an average of all your scores. Yeah, to, to produce that overall. And it also score. gives you a total time attack time. So there are right. like ten time attack versions of each map, and uh, you're trying to get the lowest possible time for all of those combined on aggregate. Which again, just just more stuff to do. Uh, again, I suspect that a lot of people probably stuck a lot to the championship two mode but this also includes the original championship one course but the game plays so differently that that's largely irrelevant um who would like to try and explain what pac-man championship edition dx brings to the party i go on i'll have a go um <laughs> we talked about it on, a, on our uh, 2010 game of the year podcast so hopefully i can just rehash. Yeah. no i'll try i'll try and <laughs> try and make it original um so the big difference is, uh, I guess, with Championship Edition, it's essentially, like you say, when you look at it visually, it's the same Pac-Man game, same Pac-Man map. Um, the dots are in the same places. Um, and apart from the fact that you clear one half to reproduce the other half, it's essentially the same idea. Um, with DX, the, you know, that's completely changed. You're no longer, they're no long, The map is no longer dominated by dots. There are specific paths of dots that you... Um, once you clear, that will unlock a, again 
a new path of dots on the other half. Um, I think that's you have to get. Actually, sorry, that's that's slightly incorrect. You have to get the bonus item yeah. to do that. Um, so that's the one change. So what you're kind of seeing is, if you're doing it hopefully right, you know, as as the game tries to lead you towards doing, you're clearing one path, producing the new path on the next side, going off to clear that path, producing the next path on the other side, um, over and over and over. But um, and it's and and then and those paths are trying to sort of lead you uh, in the right direction, really. Uh, towards you know getting the highest score um on top of that there are now sleeping ghosts which are so these are stationary ghosts which have little z's uh, i think they're green as well if that's is that yeah, right they're green, green. Uh, yeah before you wake yeah. them yeah yeah so they're, they're, they're green green ghosts just snoozing in various uh spots uh around the map again i think um they change as you get the bonus item yeah. um, so they'll so they'll disappear if you haven't gone past them but if you do go past them um, they'll wake up and start mm. chasing you and <laughs> is this this is uh, what's great about that is that not only will they start chasing you they'll start chasing you in yeah. a procession so they'll just they're so quick they'll just meet they're, they're at the same pace as you basically they'll follow you around the entire map and if you are in a situation which I've found myself many times where you are trying really hard to, to stay in the super, I guess the power pellet mode, um, but you screw up and you just don't get to the, to the next power pellet correctly. Oh, and I should say at this point, some of the power pellets are in ghosts, which is really mm. important. Um, if you if you don't get to that power pellet, suddenly you are knee-deep in ghosts <laughs> and um, you have to suddenly make a, a quick turn and Again, there's another great point. If you do need to do, don't get a, it is it difficult to explain this game. Uh, You're so, doing great. So say, you, yeah. So what you'll find is uh, to give a, to give an example on the championship two, two table, two table. Uh, it's really trying to lead you into getting dot after dot after dot stored in these ghosts. That's the best way to do that table is to constantly go for the dots, the power pellets stored in the ghosts. Yeah, this um, is the tip I learned from you. Whereas I tended to wait for the 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 pellets, the power pellets that are exposed before eating the long chains. But actually, what you were doing is getting more three thousand two hundred points and fewer ghost chains, uh, ghost train chains. <laughs> Yeah, I was just trying to go from one power pellet to the next. Yeah. So that would often be from one ghost storing the power pellet to the next ghost storing the power pellet. And that actually requires, because at speed 50, which you'll quickly get to if you're playing well, is extremely fast. This is one thing we should stress about this game, that perhaps people who just go, oh, it's Pac-Man, because the original Pac-Man, like Space Invaders, is quite slow by today's standards. This game is anything but. It's ridiculously fast. And actually getting those um, power pellets that are within the ghosts... Um, requires quite a bit of um, analog stick or D-pad dexterity. Absolutely. So that's that's the thing. Once you get to that point where you are trying to chase power pellet after power pellet, you'll. I've, I don't think I've had a perfect run yet. No. So you, inevitably, you'll get to a point where you don't get there in time, and suddenly the ghost wakes. You know, the ghost wakes up. He's no longer sleeping because then, when you're in power pellet mode, you can just eat them up. They don't move. They stay asleep. And then and there's another feature which is new to this game, which is the slowdown. Yes, exactly. So you'll 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 suddenly get next to this ghost, and it, you'll have to make a quick turn. But the game slows down, like like you're saying, and um, gives you a chance to make that analog stick movement to get away uh, with plenty of time. But it it also makes it kind of tense because uh, say you get trapped, it's something like this called slow down, slow inevitability. Of, Zoom in, slow down. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's 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 horrible. 
And there's so, also the bombs, Sinan? Yeah, that, well, that's the thing. You like, don't even use don't, the bombs, I, do you? I don't use the bombs. I actually came back to it today um, to, to play ahead of the podcast again, and something like, oh, what does this button do? Bombs? Oh. Because I, I never used them. I so think if else you're can... playing it right, you shouldn't be using bombs. I think that's that's the thing with those. But you actually collect loads because some of the ghosts, again, have bombs within them, right. don't they? Um, I guess so. You press, I think it's the B button. That just explodes. Right trigger the area around you. Um, it's, okay. it's it's for when you get surrounded um, and you don't want to break your path. So rather than veering off from the path on which you are headed, you can blast the ghosts away, and they all the big chain of ghosts goes back to the famous center cage where the ghosts live and get generated from in all Pac-Man games or most Pac-Man games. Um, but then it buys you a few seconds before they start chasing you again. Right. There are penalties involved with using the bomb. Yes, your speed slows down, yes. and you don't get uh, the combo that you had before. That's it. So yeah. Now the big scoring here again is uh, the dots are each worth like they start off for like ten points and go up to ninety points or something. So when you consider that ghosts start at four hundred and then go up to three thousand two hundred, and you can get a combo of I don't know what uh, I, I looked at my record combo for championship 2 and it was 84 which was only a rank C so imagine uh, if you will listeners if you haven't played this game imagine getting four ghosts in a row in Pac-Man 1 and thinking yeah that was cool I got 3,200 points for uh, for getting four ghosts that feels pretty good doesn't it well multiply that feeling by something like 90 odd and you've got the feeling of munching your way through this fantastic, pulsating, neon, rainbow-coloured chain of ghosts. It's brilliant. And the noise that it makes is fantastic. It's just, but, but, you know, over and over again, that noise of hating the ghost. Mm. But in quick succession, it's, it's very gratifying. It just immediately strikes the pleasure centre of your brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's one of the most satisfying things I've done in games, to be honest. It's just it's just an oh yeah moment. And it never you gets feels so great over and yeah. over again. And I've you know I've been playing it again this week after a, a pretty long gap. Um, and it's like doing that over and over again for five minutes, and I still find myself looking at the score that I got or I'm about to get and going not good enough again. Right. Go again. Um, the designers are well aware, though, that because the the that championship two level has many instances where you are you've, you're treated to a line of ghosts, absolutely, um, yeah. which you don't even need to rack up by uh, making them follow you. Yeah. Um, so other things about this uh, DX version, um, certain the player gets a lot more information. So there, uh, you, you the bar of time that you have to eat the ghost is displayed on screen, which is a, a first for Pac-Man normally you're pretty much left to obviously, you know, even going back to the original Pac-Man, the ghosts would flash white when they were about to change back to dangerous mode in solid. But in Pac-Man DX, you have uh, a little a bar ticking down and that that becomes exciting in itself when you're trying to make it across to the other side of dots. Any kind of slightly um, poor movement mis- mishandling of Pac-Man and you won't get there in time. You've also got a speed... Uh, indicator at the bottom of the screen a big number which goes up to 50 and if that's not a 50 basically you know you're probably not going to get a high score that run so there's all these things feeding in and when you combine it with these things that we've said that essentially go back to pac-man the original don't they the the actual the the feelings of of 
pleasure that you get from Pac-Man are here, but just amplified to a ridiculous degree. What it what it did for me, and I guess this is why I don't have the high score in Championship Edition, but I do have it in DX out of out of a slot at least, um, mm. is that it made me care about the little intricacies about being as efficient as possible. I didn't yeah. quite get that with Championship. I mean, I was understood that you know efficiency was important, but I don't think I cared about li- the little things. Say, like we we're talking about the ghost paths on uh, the original Pac-Man, but in Championship Edition, I suddenly cared that each ghost I eat slightly increases my speed, or each dot I get slightly increases my speed, um, or the fact that bombs take away speed, uh, and suddenly, you know, that realizing that there was a kind of mathematical precision to, to how to play the yeah. game best. And that's what's infuriating, because even though I reckon you could probably sit down and, if you really wanted to, chart out the best way to use those five minutes to get the best score possible. But doing it is another matter. Yeah, it's particularly once you're up to speed 50 or there there or thereabouts and making every single turn. Um, it's interesting. The uh, One of the achievements in the first uh, Championship Edition was um, about creating sparks. So this is the first game where Pac-Man actually, he's whizzing around so fast that they've done a little graphical effect where he makes sparks on the side of the maze because he's whizzing about so fast. And there was an achievement linked to making sparks for a, a specific amount of time, which involved kind of, you know, it's almost like um, bullet grazing in, in a Japanese shooter or something like that, but but you can't not do it in this Um and another one key mechanic that struck me that is different about Championship Edition and DX compared to classic Pac-Mans is that uh, in classic Pac-Man, when you're eating pellets, you are slower than the ghosts and you and they will catch you up. Whereas in Championship Edition, that mechanic is not there, is it? You are the same speed whether you are eating or flying through empty maze. I think that's hugely important too because it really it changes it from a chase to something which you can always be in control of. Um, yeah. And I think that was, that's what drew me in a lot to this game is kind of that knowing that I was always in control, which it, it doesn't mean chasing is, is, you know, the chase. I didn't enjoy that. It's just a different dynamic. Mm. Mm. Carl, you've been quiet about DX, but you liked it. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a fantastic game. I mean, it, it, it's clearly a palimpsest of the previous titles. Um, with the additions of, as, as we said, more of everything. The, uh, it's the pinpoint controls, you know, the pace. You mentioned the slowing down, evading ghosts, that, that kind of stuff all adds to the excitement and the intensity of, of, of playing it. And as Sinan said, the, the gratification in this game, it goes way beyond any other Pac-Man game I've played, um, in that, you're getting that speed and hammering through the ghosts and picking up those pellets and there's, there's a, you always feel like there's a strategy involved and it does it in such a way that you're always entertained by what's going on screen. It's it's something similar to, to, to what Geometry Wars did earlier in the in Xbox Live Arcade in that you've always you've always got your eye on one thing going on whilst trying to concentrate on another. Um and as you said in the previous Pac-Man games with the, with the slowing down, you don't encounter this. The whole balance of the game is shifted to something that if someone who might have the opinion, I'm not playing that, I've played Pac-Man before, it doesn't interest me. It is an entirely different experience uh, and, what, and one that's not only more approachable, 
but more in depth uh, and just more. I'm fun really to glad play. that you mentioned Geometry Wars because there's a really, really interesting similarity between Geometry Wars Two and um, and Championship Edition and Championship Edition DX, which is the music. Which um, Geometry Wars Two, say you're playing, I think it's the oh the, the title mode again. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, something like something bizarrely spacey, um, but it's three minutes long, and uh, it's split. The music is split into different sections by time. So the first 30 seconds will be its own section of music. Then it will mm. change and evolve into something for the next 30 seconds. And so on and so on until it builds up to that last 30 seconds where it's suddenly pounding down on you. It's the same exact thing in Championship Edition without music. It's it's split into, yeah. into sections by time. And that it, 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 again, it kicks up in that last minute. And it's it's simple... But not many games do that, actually, with um, with timed music. You'd think they'd more than would do it, would do it because it's a very effective tool. It's um, interesting. Uh, I was looking at some of the uh, developers' commentary for Secret of Monkey Island Two on the special edition, and um, Schaefer and Grossman and Gilbert were talking about they brought well, that that was the game that they brought in iMuse the infamous interactive um music uh you know dynamic scoring for for Monkey Island 2 and they were they were saying that it basically it killed the people who were trying to do it because it was so insanely complicated and expensive and that's why they hardly ever used it again so i think like I think there are there are better you know there are obviously easier and simpler ways of doing it than they were trying to do it with Monkey Island Two, which is you know characters walk on their theme blends in with the with the current theme that's playing and stuff like that. But yeah, when you break it down to a piece of music that is just timed like a cinematic score to to where you've got a game that you know is going to be a specific length, it allows the composer to compose that music based around that, and and that definitely any any game that uses that should take advantage of that. Um, I suppose in, in it's different in things like um, Gage or you know the iOS game or Super Hexagon, where you don't know how long the player's going to last. But it's that it's that similar feeling of intense music and intense brief experiences. But in the case of like for me, Super Hexagon is an entirely stressful experience, not a pleasurable one. But but uh, Pac-Man Championship Edition DX is almost entirely pleasure, and it's a it's a pleasurable stress, not an unpleasant one. Um, I forget who said this, and I'm paraphrasing whoever said this as well, so I apologise whoever uh, said this on a podcast, but um, I remember hearing somebody saying that Pac-Man Championship Edition DX is like if you took Pac-Man and applied modern game design principles to it. So um, the old Pac-Man is about overcoming this really large obstacle, whereas Pac-Man DX feels like it's more about empowerment, because it's not really possible to lose uh, Pac-Man Championship Edition it's just how well uh, you know how good you are at it and it just uh, you can run out of lives but yeah, that's yeah. not your main concern. That sounds like something Sinan might have said. I, I would have loved to yeah, have said it that, might have been. I don't think I did. But it, it, it's, <laughs> it's entirely true. I mean, um, simple things like the signposting. That that's the the clever thing. That the, the first game, it's whilst you, the, the objective is obvious to clear all the dots, it's not obvious how you should do it. But in in DX, it's very maybe not obviously, but if you start playing it and paying attention it is telling you how to play the game just by the way the paths are set out by the way the ghosts are set out um and that's you know that signposting that's a very modern piece of game uh, design so and there are there are loads of things in there which are are modern and um 
Yeah, so whoever said that is absolutely right. <laughs> Andy Kurosaki from the forum would like to say of DX, I've always had a place in my heart for Pac-Man. It's a simple concept that's so much fun to play. Championship Edition is unquestionably one of the best downloadable games ever made. Addictive gameplay, great music, the whole package is just perfect. Actually, I don't know if that's specifically relating to DX, but uh, let's say it was. <laughs> Before we give our own su- uh, summaries, um, a three-word review from Moose Grinder uh, was uh, raises a, an important point, which is broken fucking leaderboards. Uh, and I didn't know about this, but I investigated it. Now, I know that the original Championship Edition had a server-side leaderboard reset sometime into its existence because of glitching and various things, but that seems to be fine now. I noticed going back to it that some of my scores for some of the modes had been completely wiped, so I went back and reset high scores. That was fun. But looking at the top scores for Championship Edition 2 course, 5-minute high score... It's currently showing as 2,147,483,647. So I thought, wow, I better watch how this guy plays because this is going to be something special. Um, my high score is one point something million, I think. Sinan's, you're like two million or something. Yeah, right? something on those lines, yeah. Sounds good. Um, so I watched the replay and, in fact, the run that it shows is a, a very ponderous, mediocre 600,000 points on the beginner speed. So the game is not broken. Um, it's not like necessarily people are glitching, uh, like deliberately finding glitches to rack up insane scores. Like, I don't know, if there was some way to freeze the timer and then just gobble up infinite ghosts or something like that. But it looks like the leaderboards themselves are a bit broken. Unfortunately, that that only leaves... Um, it leaves you having leaderboard competitions with your friends, but you can't really measure yourself against the official online leaderboards, which is a pity. I mean, it's, it's a shame, but I don't think it's something that's necessarily exclusive to Pac-Man Chapter no. Edition. Uh, DX, it's something I think we've all seen on many games many times, and it's it, sadly, it's just one of those things. But it's a shame on a game like well, this. I, I think, again, I don't think that completely negates the idea of um, the online leaderboards. I mean, I think it, you're not going to get to those top scores anyway, so you're getting a general idea of how good you are by where you're placing in the, in the online leaderboards, I think. A very strange design choice of the leaderboards on DX is that you can go to your your own score, and that's fine, and that works, but then you scroll over to your friend's scores, but it doesn't show your score as part of your friend's scores, so you literally have to tab between the two to compare your scores. A minor inconvenience, but really rather fucking stupid, I thought. Yeah. It's actually quite annoying, and it, that's actually happened in another game I played recently, um, which which I can't actually remember, but I rem- it drove me up the wall, not having my score amongst my friends. It's very silly. Uh, it's just such a such an easily fixed oversight, you know, um, just really bizarre, and again, on a score-chasing game to do that. But I don't think uh, these, are, these are very small flies in a very tasty ointment. Um, the other three-word review we had, this is the sort of game where we don't tend to get many. I understand why. But uh, Quasimod says Rainbow Ghost Conga, which I thought was which, spot on. I love that. That is a great three-word review. That's the one thing we didn't really quite touch on, is the, is the, the colours of the, of the visuals, which are discotheque and fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we, we brushed across Neon, and, and I did mention that, particularly in DX version, you, I didn't even remember this, but as well as the various graphical variations that there are, there's also, a, a, you can use the bumpers to tab between various colour schemes. Yeah. So there's there's yeah. multiple, you know, th- these might seem like f- frivolous uh, cosmetic things, and they are in a way, but in another way, you think, yeah, nice touch, you know, 
Why not give me the choice? It can, it can add a sense of refreshment to, you know, it stops something looking so stale if you keep playing it. You know, being able to change it up is always a nice, yeah, and you are, nice option. Exactly, and you are basically looking at the same thing for hours and hours on end if, if, you, if you're into this game. I, I actually say, I have to say that I find some of the graphical ver- versions of the DX game to be far less playable than others simply because they don't display the information as clearly. So there's like a hyper-pixelated one where everything, everything is, is in sort of um, mosaic style pixels and you can see the gaps between all the pixels I actually find that harder to play in than say the one which looks most like Pac-Mania which is a far sort of more obvious clear visual style yeah I have a very set um, you know which characters yeah. which visual style it, it, that doesn't change <laughs> that's interesting because I, I noticed when I was watching replays that it seems to know which one they were playing on because it, it unless it just randomises it it wasn't the ones that I was set on so it was clearly picking up on some other settings so yeah I think I know what your settings are from that Sinner I feel feel violated one other Pac-Man game I wanted to talk about now I doubt any of us have played it I certainly haven't and I wasn't even particularly aware of it but in researching this podcast it came up Um, it was perhaps the most recent significant new Pac-Man release if you can call it that it came out early in 2011 apparently it was actually completed in late 2010 and this is an arcade cabinet cocktail style uh, so you know sit down one with the screen flat in front of you like a table um, Pac-Man Battle Royale um, the only footage I could find of this is some trade show footage uh, from Tokyo Game Show or somewhere like that one of the arcade trade shows anyway um or similar and you know via a phone camera somebody holding it over people playing this but it is a four-player coin-op where two people sit on one side of the table maze two people sit on the other of course it doesn't really matter which way is up and it kind of looks like a fantastic mashup of both pac-man versus and pac-man championship edition i want i i want i want it <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's the one I want released on the Wii U, that one. That would be perfect. Um, yeah, or again, or as an online game on XBLA and PSN. Yeah. Uh, maybe, it, maybe it doesn't play as, as well as it looks, but these guys who were sitting around playing it on this video I watched um, were making all the right noises, and I mean that literally. That, you know, that, that sort of, uh, oh my God, shit, oh no. You know, this, the, exactly the same noises as you're making in your head when you're playing Championship Edition or out loud when you're playing Versus on the GameCube with some <laughs> friends. Uh, and it looks superb. I really, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it's nearly two years old at this point. I doubt it's going to come out. in. It may have come out in British arcades, but British arcades, you know, a bit screwed, sadly. Um, whether it might come to yeah, like a downloadable service, the Wii U, 3DS, XBLA, please, Namco Bandai, do the right thing. I think that sounds like easy money for the Wii U. Quite honestly, that's yeah, easy money. They'd be silly totally. not to. I was going to say I before think. we before we get into the last thing, one thing to to note is uh, DX is probably going to come to Windows 8 um, for in the West shortly because it's come out in Japan. So if you're okay. a Windows 8 PC user then look out for it because I'm, I'm, I'm certain that will happen in the West. Oh, great. Yeah, the only other version that I know of is a Windows Phone version, which came out in May 2011. Um, so I don't know how many of our listeners have Windows Phones, but 
<laughs> if if you're one of if you're one of a very select group of people who listen to this podcast who don't have a uh, an Xbox 360 or a PlayStation 3 but do have a Windows phone there is a way of playing Pac-Man CEDX. Uh so, so some kind of neat little bundle summary of how much you like or dislike Pac-Man Championship Edition DX Carl Moon. Pac-Man uh Championship Edition DX is the perfect example of why you can't judge a game's longevity by its price tag. Because we see all too often that I'm not paying that, and we've highlighted that it rotates around a five-minute mode, and people may be reluctant to pay 800 Microsoft for such a thing, but that is what makes this game so great, is that it's going and setting out five, ten, say you've got 20 minutes to game, you can you know you can bang in a comfortable three games in that time and have have loads of fun. And the game does it in such a way that it's never overly challenging. You can always get to the end, but the challenge is more put there by yourself to better your tire, better your scores and go on the leaderboards. And, and it does it in such a way that the game is never uncomfortable at any point to play, like the original Pac-Man titles were. They, it's there, but with the extra balance of the game, it's always in, uh, thoroughly enjoyable. Um, it it's not completely alien to Pac-Man. It, it's very similar, but all the tweaks that have been made are, for me personally, positive. There's there's nothing I would ever take away from Pac-Man DX and say it probably shouldn't have had that. Um, it's certainly not fluff to the game, and for a measly eight hundred points on Xbox Live or the equivalent on PlayStation uh, Network. Um, you're going to struggle to get, you know, something that is that much pick-up-and-play fun in such a short period of time. And, of course, as we said, if you're literally, if you're one of the literally tens of people who own a Windows phone, that's an option for you as well. And with Windows 8, you know, you, you really can't go wrong. It should be said um, that uh, if you're one of those people who listens to Kane and Rince the second it comes out, you still have a ch- – and you have an Xbox 360, you have a chance of getting – CEDX for 400 Microsoft points until Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. That will be the uh, 4th of December, I think. It's on sale via the Sales and Specials app on the Xbox 360. Um, so that's there. If, you, if, you, if you're quick, if you're listening contemporaneously and you can get there now. I think you can actually get it through the website for the 400 points without the app as well. Nice. Cool. Do that. Uh, Josh? Uh, 2010 was an excellent year for games, and Pac-Man Championship Edition DX was one of those games that made it an amazing year. Um, For me, the thing that makes it great is just all the small moments of genius, small pieces of design that you completely take for granted, but when you think about it, are just brilliant. Like the ability uh, for Pac-Man to slow down just before he gets to a ghost. Um, You know, all these little touches make the game... um, just so pleasurable to play it's one of the most addictive games i've ever played you just want to keep coming back to it over and over again and it's not even for the score chasing although that is a lot of fun i just sometimes i just want to play pac-man championship edition dx for the hell of it i'm not even chasing scores it's just pleasurable to play um yeah and i think it's an argument that yes story is great and great 
and all that and stuff like that. But ultimately, great game design is what makes a game truly stick out in your mind. And this is one of the best examples of great design. Yep, that's exactly sort of what I was heading to, towards saying. Good design is timeless. And although this does uh, make... I think concessions is a wrong, but just uh, adapts it Pac-Man to the modern audience. It is fundamentally um, the 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 same Pac-Man game, particularly the original Championship Edition. And I would, although this show is nominally about DX, I would recommend getting and playing both because Championship Edition, the original, is perhaps a more pure uh kind of pac-man update as as our joystick correspondent said kind of you could have almost called that pac-man the real pac-man 2 whereas championship dx championship edition ds does feel like a, some sort of mad wild-eyed tousle-haired spin-off um but in a really good way and sometimes you know you, you can discuss games uh so much uh that it's kind of what we do on Cane and Rinse, but it's sometimes it feels a bit like you're picking apart why a joke is funny and, um, you know, trying to explain why Pac-Man is good or this version is good. Um, so I'm just going to say it's really, really fun. Lame, but there you go. Um, Sinan. I guess the way I look at it, when I think of Xbox Live Arcade, the games that are there, the best games, I split them into two parts. They're the kind of really sort of striking indie titles which is just imaginative and brilliant things like Fez and Braid and then there are the games that really put the arcade into Xbox Live Arcade and this is one of those you know something like the Geometry Wars games and Trials and, and then and this it's it's I, I know Josh it's great that Josh can can come with it and enjoy it you know just as much without the score chasing but for me it is all about the score chasing and this game does it so well it makes it so fun to chase those scores Thank you very much, Sinan Kuba. Um, where can we find you? <laughs> you see, I had to do this on on, on um, uh, digital digital console <laughs> podcast, right? And I got a huge, uh, I guess, <laughs> mockingness or whatever. I, I got I got mocked to high heaven for for trying to be humble <laughs> about joysticks. So I work at Joystick, <laughs> uh, which is at joystick.com, and you may yeah, have heard we're of it. super pr- uh, super proud of you. As you know, it, it it's like I I think I said this before, but. It's um, although it goes terribly wrong in the film Goodfellas, it's like the bit where Robert De Niro is super excited because Joe Pesci's getting made simply because it's you know it's it's like one of his peers who's who's being you know bigged up by the by the establishment as it were. So uh, it's it's super good. We don't normally do big shout outs, but fucking hell, you got employed by Joystick, so. I really, I, I, I listened to that chat, I, chat that you guys did, and it was very, very kind. So thank you very much for the comments that was that, that you guys said on that. Um, yeah, and it is a great website, regardless of me working there. So you should all yeah, really absolutely. Check it out. Um, and hopefully <laughs> we'll have you on again at some point for another game that you want to wax lyrical about. You're always welcome. Oh, I'd love to. Please do. The roundup then. You can play along with us at Kane and Rince. Sorry, the list of games still isn't any longer. Um, Tony, uh, now this is, you know, family news, uh, has his new twins at home, which is fantastic. They were both born uh, at the same time, sort of thing, very prematurely. Um, but they're they're doing very well and uh, they're at home and that's the most important thing. And I'm still in between jobs in the middle of a big life-changing career change. So um, that's why there are no more games being announced at this point. But... Don't worry, there will be. It will happen. Coming up, we have Half-Life 2, Episodes 1 and 2. Then Akami, which I've nearly completed. Shenmue 1 and 2. 
and Apple Jacks 1 and 2 and Papo and Joe hopefully featuring incorporating uh, the developers of those games and as I say we will announce more shows soon as we can the month by month schedule can be found on the blog at canarince.com as I've mentioned during this we have uh, quick rinse videos and we've got an Orcs Must Die coming up and a binary domain from Darren Foreman to tie in with the last podcast we're on Twitter at Cane and Rinse, Facebook Cane and Rinse, email at canerince at gmail.com. And naturally, we like your iTunes reviews, ratings and subscriptions because it helps us be a thing. Most of all, as I always say, and I mean this, you should join the forum and the community at canerince.com slash forum. You really should. Until next time, it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Carl Moon, Joshua Garrity, and special guests in Ankuba, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>